Hello, welcome to the podcast version of Let's Kill Twitter. We're the show that allows you to detox your timeline with the art of conversation. Let's Kill Twitter is recorded live and on Zoom and features two hosts, that's myself, Julian Hall, and also comedian Sajila Kershey. Each week we're joined by two guests and this week was the turn of comedians Francis Foster and Gronya Maguire. In this edition, we had two particularly involved conversations. One of them was about lockdown and its effect on mental health and the economy, while the other was on the reboot of Sex in the City. This led to a really interesting discussion about the strengths and weaknesses of the show compared to others, and whether reboots in general were a good idea. We hope you enjoy listening to the show. Please follow us at LKTZoom on Twitter for more information and the latest updates. All right, well, listen, uh, I think it's time to kick off uh, and say hello and welcome to another week of Let's Kill Twitter. Um, uh, my name is Julian Hall. I am your host for the evening, or one of my one of the hosts for the evening, because I'm just about to introduce my co-host. Um, Let's Kill Twitter is basically somewhere that you can detox your timeline with the art of conversation, or at least... That's how the catchy little uh, phrase I came up with goes. Whether that's in, whether that's true, uh, we'll see. Um, but it is—it's a place. I'm not going to say necessarily a safe place, but it is a place to unpack uh, the fun things of Twitter, of which there are many, and some of the trickier subjects too. Um, it's been quite an insane time. We're too weekly at the moment, and we did mean to do um, a little mini uh, update, but various things got in the way of that, and of course. That was the whole week of uh, calamity at the Capitol, which is uh, Trump's own words, calamity at the Capitol, which I think would make a fantastic movie, uh, fantastic Western movie anyway. So we've missed, uh, I'm not sure if we're going to reach back uh, far enough to two weeks ago, but we certainly, a couple of tweets tonight I've noticed are picking up on the US situation and we've got much, much more to get through and helping me get through those tweets is my co-host, Sajila Kershi. Hey, how are you doing, world? And and in the world, in the Zoom world, outside the Zoom world, all the world. Um, we are one big place now that we have a world pandemic because we're all going through the same thing. Um, yeah, it's been, we missed the best news week <laughs> unfolding last week. So I'm sure that uh, our guests might have picked up something or we're going to have a little discussion about that. Um, I welcome everybody. I, I've, um, I've had a bit of a rough get. I don't know about you guys, but I think this trilogy lockdown, the third one, seems to be quite grim I, i'm i'm I, I, would you agree guys with just with the nods of the heads yes it's i think it's the toughest lockdown so far i think it's because we have that usual thing we always do new year's eve like oh yeah tomorrow a 24 hour later we're going to be all different i'm going to be thin and i'm going to be not smoking and then in this case we're like not going to have a world pandemic where our, our prime minister is just fucking up constantly hello emmy hello hello welcome to the group um yeah and so i uh, it, it but it's not i'm not, not sure why that is but i will ask the panel in a minute um i think we're going to introduce our our panel to this week which we're really excited about two lovely wonderful people um uh, I, i'm going to uh, first of all introduce you to a very good comedian uh, writer and she also runs workshops if you're a bit bored of, over the covid kind of lockdowns 
I, I believe you're still running them. Is that right? It's, please welcome Gronia Maguire, who, who I have to read out her CV because she is an amazing uh, woman, a multi-award winning stand-up comedian and comedy writer. She's appeared on Dave's Unspun with Matt Ford. Comedy, Matt Ford is nothing. Gronia is the star, can I just say. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, who's from Matt Ford? We don't care about whom. Yes, but we'll say the same thing back, but I've got to go with the sisters here. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously Comedy Central is a comedy experience. RT is cutting edge and she can be heard on Radio 4's The Now Show, More Money Than Sense, An Idiot's Guide, Breaking the News, Radio 2's What If, You've written, you've performed at the Edinburgh Fringe, of course, and um, many, many other festivals. And you also write for lots of comedians who are on the big telly. Is that right, Gronia? But they get all the praise for the writing that other comedians like Gronia do. So big up, Gronia, everybody. Way, <laughs> Welcome, Gronia. Hello, it's so lovely to, because it has been like a little bit of a grim week, like you were saying. So I have to say that introduction was just the shot of attention I needed. So yeah, it's, it's funny because you know when you're introducers for a gig and then people will say, look, just don't, don't build me up, don't me up because I don't want, but actually I think we miss, we miss that, don't we? We miss that little bit of like, actually I was somebody, I was somebody before <laughs> this lockdown happened. We had some stuff. So are, are you, are you finding lockdown okay? This third, the trilogy that, you know, I think we, do we need, do we need any more lockdowns? I don't know, but this is, this one is quite hard, would you say? Well, I think um, you raised something that I actually feel very passionately about. I dry January makes me angrier the concept of it than basically there's been wars that have annoyed me less because basically it's like the grimmest darkest most miserable month of the year and people go oh this will be a good time to stop drinking it's crazy it's like giving up suntan lotion in August I say booze your way till we get at least eight if we get eight hours clear sunshine then think about trying to be healthier but until then yes oh. we we actually covered this uh, uh, on our last show and uh what was the surely would you remember what the alternative was for um uh, oh it was like yeah that was it dry web dry basically you don't use any any social media platform yeah yeah that, that's what? what we're really suffering from it's all those people who've gone off social media for january <laughs> <laughs> i can't remember what they call it i don't know what the nick the can handy nickname is for it yeah i can't remember um, what it was but i, I agree with you granny why would you give up all the joys of life especially in in in, 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 in entering the third lockdown and what what are you never ever going to give up during this this lockdown what what, what, what are you embracing right now so what I've done is, so I know this isn't very original, but I'm Netflix. I my 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 list. I've become obsessed with. If I watch something, my favorite part is like unticking it from my list because I genuinely feel I've achieved something. So today I watched three different, no, two different documentaries on Netflix, and then I unticked it, and I I really felt like yeah, I, I, today was today's been a good day. So uh, it's like I'm homeschooling myself. So. <laughs> That's fantastic. So welcome, Gronia Maguire. I'm going to give Julian over to you to, to welcome our other wonderful guest. Yeah, totally. Well, I'm very pleased to welcome Francis Foster to Let's Kill Twitter. Francis is co-host of uh, the wonderful Trigonometry, which I love. Uh, we've had uh, Constantine, uh, Francis's fellow co-host, on the show, of course, uh, a couple of shows ago, along with Viv Groscott. 
Um, some very interesting clips uh, coming from that about uh, social media and the big tech companies. I think we might be talking about that again. Um, so welcome, um, comedian Francis Foster. How are you doing? Hello. Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm enduring this nonsense. Is 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 how I would put it. I'm not as diplomatic as as uh, people here. Uh, I think it's a fucking nonsense if I'm being honest. But there we go. No, it's it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, I, I'm doing. Did okay. you think that the first time? Now, did you think? Because I remember when we um, I remember when we had Constantine on. He said that he broadly supported the first lockdown, but he was becoming less and less keen on the on the method. Uh, I broadly supported the first lockdown. I didn't think we knew what was going on. I think we were all very, very confused, very scared, very worried. I think the second uh, successive lockdowns have been an utter disaster for this country economically. Um, the damage that we've done to young people is unfathomable. Look, nobody's denying that this is a serious illness. Of course it is, especially if you're like my parents, who, uh, like my mother, who is 76 years old, disabled, diabetic, vain, you tick any box you want with her. She has got it. Uh, so, you know, for a, a section of society, it is very, very worrying. Absolutely is. And the NHS is under pressure. I'm just not particularly comfortable with crippling an entire economy. And I think more people are going to die as a result of that than we're going to save from lockdowns. But that's me. I realise that makes me a Nazi. Hello, everybody. <laughs> just good to get the disclaimer out of the way. Yeah. Good to get that out of the way. Um, well, actually, that leads really nicely into yeah. a question I need to ask you and also uh, Gronje as well, which is, what's your, given what you just said, what, what's your biggest sort of Twitter engagement that, that you've had? What's, what, in terms of uh, something that maybe went viral or just some, something that went a bit crazy with well, uh, people having a go? Well, I'll tell you something. It was a tweet I put out. It wasn't my biggest, but it was a tweet I put out a couple of days ago. So people who don't know me, uh, people who do will know that I bang on that. My mum's from Venezuela, right? Hey, there you go. Who knows me? Have a drink. Uh, Venezuela is in the absolute toilet at the moment and has been for a long, long time because of a socialist regime uh, brought about by Hugo Chavez, which was beloved by Guardianistas everywhere and uh, was seen as a future. It's now utterly uh, in the toilet. Every, all the, uh, the uh, woke journalists have moved on. My family, unfortunately, is still living there. Uh, my, my, uh, my cousin, who's a journalist, had to flee for his life. Uh, and it gets on my tits when people talk about socialism, especially when they're privately educated, middle class, and quite frankly, don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Uh, so this is a tweet that I put out, which uh, made, means that I can now no longer gig at another six comedy clubs. But anyway... This is what I think, and I'm sure it will enrage people. Is it, um, so is that one of that's actually one of the tweets that you've yeah. selected for tonight, wasn't it? Yeah, this is the one. Yeah, yeah. So the funniest, funniest joke of 2020 will always be middle class, privately educated comedians lecturing me about why socialism is great. Mate, my cousin is from Venezuela and drinks water from tank on his roof. I think there's a couple of flaws in your argument. I did. I saw that tweet, and I do remember thinking, how many flaws before he gets the roof? You know, like four <laughs> flaws. I don't know. So, yeah, so, um, look, I mean, th there's a discussion to be had. You know, I don't believe in utopias. Uh, I don't believe that, you know, that somehow we're going to change everything. We're going to abolish capitalism and we're going to be in, you know, in this magical paradise where everything is equal. We're all going to hold our hands and everything's going to be brilliant because uh, I've seen what happens when you abolish capitalism and it isn't good. Um, anyway, that's another gig down the drain. So there we go. Was I've got to say, I feel like sacking the whole show off so we can talk about socialism and lockdown because that's two, mm. you know, two, two big things straight out of the park. Mm. Um, so I want to ask the same um, 
questions to Grania. Before I do, if you're watching us on tweet, uh, on tweet, if you're watching us on Twitch, Facebook and YouTube, and you want to see this lovely quad of people that we've got in front of us, at least on the, on the Zoom room, then please go through Eventbrite and book for us and, uh, and come in and, and share your tweets with us. It's by far the best view, but thanks for watching uh, wherever you're watching, basically. So Grania, what's your, what's your sort of big Twitter moment? So I remember I was on the way to my sister's on the bus and as is usual in my way, I was having this big neurotic nervous breakdown about stand up. I was like, oh my God, I'm not even funny anymore. You know, I should just quit comedy, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then a joke popped into my head. I swear this is true. I tweeted it, whatever. Then I got to my sister and my phone was buzzing like a bee, like it was literally buzzing. And it was, <coughs> it's always sad when, <clears throat> Beyonce, there's now more black people in Beyonce than in Donald Trump's cabinet. She doesn't know. <laughs> and I remember that very well. <laughs> it, was just, it was so silly because it was just a silly joke that popped into my head. But I had been so depressed when I tweeted. I had been so depressed. I was on the bus. I was on the way to bloody Stoke Newington at 45 minutes. I was such a bad mood. And then it was just so ridiculous. And it was like just I ended up doing an interview with an Irish newspaper about the tweet. And I was like, but it's just one stupid joke, that's all it is. But it really cheered me up because I had I was had been so sad. And then but did that get you extra um uh, how many supports did that get you extra? Any extra followers? It got me a, like it went mad for about a week. It got me a lot. I can't remember how much, but it did get me a lot more. But more importantly, it got me to feel good about myself for about four days so <laughs> <laughs> that's all right four days is good yeah. four days good dragging uh, uh, stretching that out what about i know because we we spoke to rosie jones and her her one was uh being on question time and i know you were in question mm. time as well did you find that made a difference for you or did you get a lot of trolling um i got like a lot of trolling for about a day so i don't know i basically handed my twitter account over to our mutual friend hannah warman <laughs> oh, hours, she just said like really funny um re replies to everybody who was sort of saying oh she's got shit teeth and stuff like that so that was really funny and then after about a day it just you know people went back to yeah. sleep whatever they were and they went to someone else is what yes. they did because how quickly how fickle they are you know today you're their hate object and then tomorrow they just move on to someone else <laughs> they never call they never write no they never write they never call you right uh, uh, that just brings me to the question where i'd like to ask both that well i don't know julian have you had have you had uh, been a victim of trolling and death threats i mean i don't think we've made it in this <laughs> career oh, I, you I, have. I know that you know that i would know i will have totally made it then um, <laughs> yeah I mean, I have a, I've got a, I use Twitter. I have a, like an anonymous account, but um, it, it's not like a sort of a trolling account, but it's, it's kind of a trolling account. Well, that's it. We need a, we all need two accounts, one people that control and the other one that people yeah, can engage basically, with. I, I would recommend that, you know, it's, <laughs> it's to engage with sort of issues that um, I don't really feel as a PR I mean, I feel a bit like let loose here. This is Julian Hall unplugged on Let's Kill Twitter, <laughs> but, um, you know, to some extent, um, because it has a sort of frontage. But I, on my own um, account, you know, I like to follow interesting people, but it's, and like, you know, have a kind of inter interaction if it's a joke, but it's, I yeah, I find sort of like, 
delving into the sort of the nitty gritty um what, what have i put i've put on my my uh uh bio says it quotes this line from buffy um there's a, i think season four this fantastic character called adam who's this sort of monster made up of many parts and there's a there's an episode in it where he's watching something unfold and he says these magics are unstable and it's just such a beautiful line because for me that is literally i'm just going to let these things play out and I'm, I'm going to watch them and i'm, I'm going to learn from them but you know and then, what about you francis have you have you um you know obviously that's that's julian's i think top tip there yeah. right? so what have you i mean obviously with trigonometry I'm, I'm assuming that you must get quite a lot of oh absolutely uh, i my uh i'll show antagonizes people on the left on the right and also the far right um I've been uh, trolled by people calling themselves F uh, na nationalists. They're not. They're Nazis. Uh, sending me anti-Semitic abuse, even though I'm not Jewish. Um, so I got... Uh, Constantine, my co-host, is Jewish, so they call him a Jew, and they call me the secret Jew. Uh, so as in, like, I don't actually... <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not, like I said, I'm not Jewish. Uh, they also called me the fat Jew, which meant I went to the gym pretty quick after that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, if somebody says, you know, the fat Muslim, I'm kind of like, yeah, you're kind of spot on. Yeah. What's the abuse here? I don't understand what the abuse is. I'm not sure what, if that's what you were, but then also, you, yeah. I mean, it's 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 not as bad as I thought you were going to say. I have to be honest. I thought it was going to be worse. And as a woman, um, uh, I'm going to ask Grania. You know, obviously, we we're kind of targeted in a different way. Um, which can be, you know, you, you got slightly upset by being called fat, but it'll be personal. You mentioned, like, you know, people said like horrible things about you on, on, on Question Time. How how do you think it's it's differs between the genders in terms of how trolls kind of attack uh, women? And of course, now it's become illegal to we, we can take out legal action, but obviously we know from other female comedies as well that it's something that's quite a you know kind of big problem. I, from my experience. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's tricky. It's I don't get a lot of abuse, really. It's more sometimes I got a, they're called like reply guys. So they're people <laughs> who this is what annoys me when people if you like if I make a joke, you find it funny, brilliant. But when you retweet it and then you kind of put your little like riff at the top it annoys me so much it's like <laughs> this isn't a brainstorming session <laughs> so they'll retweet with like their little ad lib at top or they'll just or if they don't understand your joke then they'll reply as if yeah but i i don't understand your joke or why is this funny and you're just like i don't know you <laughs> <laughs> you don't find this joke funny you can just there's an easier thing you can just scroll that's fine. So it's that. I think that's really mean. I think I think a, a great example is Craig Dealey on Twitter. He, he'll just retweet people who don't get the joke, literally the joke, and he'll add his whole sort of series of that, which I think is great. So listen, I think we should get to our tweets. Um, where we're yeah. going to start with Julian. Thank you guys um, for contributing. I'm wondering. Yeah, this might be a good way of introducing a bit of both Twitter and lockdown issues here. It's quite an interesting tweet from if I can find it. And then, then we can get into some of the others. So it's Olivia Utley. She's assistant comment, comment editor at Telegraph. And she picked up on a tweet from uh, a woman called Erica Buist, who I think works for The Guardian. 
Erica had tweeted, is anyone else worried that they're going to vaccinate all the over 50s, then open everything up and start guilting the rest of us, going back to the office, going to pubs, telling us not to worry because we probably won't die. Uh, to which quote tweeted, Olivia Utley quote tweets, uh, personally, I'm praying they do exactly this. And I kind of thought, mm, isn't that's probably speaking for quite a large number of people, mm -hmm. uh, what Olivia has just said there, I would have thought. So I was slightly confused um, by that. But um, the Is other interesting the thing... Plan? Which, I thought that was a... literally the plan. Well, that's exactly. I think, I think what you pinpoint is their response to COVID. <laughs> well, what I love about this, and I don't know why I didn't favourite this one, I know I retweeted it, I will find it somewhere, come on, is that uh, the, there was a subsequent tweet, which was basically, um, oh no, what? See, this, this is the slickness that's gone. Uh, I'm just gonna... So obviously I need her words very much in this to sort of... Uh, to basically... Just sing, sing amongst yourselves for now. Yeah, just sing amongst yourselves. <laughs> sing amongst yourselves. Come by, I'll come on, everyone. We can just go for it. <laughs> no, no, that was silly of me. But basically, there's a tweet in there, and I promise I'll find it before the end, where um, this, this uh, woman, Erica, says, oh, you know, I tweeted this out, and then loads of people who this message wasn't meant for have suddenly commented and it's like what is what what do you mean that is that is the whole point i mean i, I respect what you're saying about the joke earlier but it's like what well, <laughs> but hang on a minute you've just invented twitter <laughs> so she just invented the government COVID response and mm -hmm. then she accidentally invented twitter <laughs> that's what well, she I'm, I'm gonna search i'm gonna search for that tweet whilst uh so that I can prove that, that, that she did actually have that response. But um, that's kind of led us on to sort of lockdown-y vaccine things. So I don't know whether, um, actually, Francis, why don't we take your uh, mental health tweet? All right, so uh, I've realised everyone's probably got funny stuff. For me being a miserable git, I've just, I've just come up with all the, you know, all the grim, horrible stuff. Uh, this is from... Uh, a chap called Alan D. Miller, no idea who he is, probably going to turn out to be some far-right extremist, doesn't matter. Uh, the teens coming through my virtual doors these past months have been suffering with loneliness, a sense of crippling helplessness and a total lack of motivation. Doesn't have to be this way, young people severely impacted, we need clear roadmap to open. And I think uh, the reason I found this very, very powerful is I think that the, we're not talking enough about young people, people at the very beginning of their careers, people who are looking to start out, people who've just graduated from universities. What is the financial, what, what is going to be the economic impact, not only on us, but on them? They are particularly vulnerable. And I just really, really worry about them. Like we've all, like I'm 38 now, you know, like my best days have gone. I've accepted that. But I really, oh, somebody, don't say that. <laughs> they are, mate. I'm, I'm practically dead. Do you know what I mean? What have I got to look forward to? Okay, sure. <laughs> Surely the dividing line, the modern dividing line is if you're not like between numbers one and nine for getting the vaccine, you can like, hey, I'm officially young. No, no, mate. I hate to break it to you. We are no. not officially young, mate. If we turned up in a nightclub, they'd either look at us like a pair of creeps or undercover police, all right? <laughs> at 38? At 38? Yeah. My God, and your life is over at 38? No, I'm not, I'm not saying it's over. I'm what just saying it's shit. What are you living right? in, Francis? I'm a bit worried you're zooming us from the 18th century. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to die of consumption, Gronje. <laughs> 
But I, I don't know. Like, I'm a former teacher. I was a teacher for 12 years. And I just, I just worry about what this is doing to kids. I worry about young people. I worry about people starting out in their careers. I worry about people who have been charged nine grand a year to go and sit in a room and get a Zoom lecture. You're basically getting charged nine grand a year to go out to get a shit version of YouTube. Yeah. When, when you can get like LKT for free or for just donations. Uh, yeah, it's, and it's the same, worth the same, worth the same as an education. <laughs> yeah, I've got no idea what LKT is, Chajila, but I couldn't agree with you more. That's Hilti the show, the show that we're on. <laughs> oh, okay, there we go. I've done it. There you go, you've learned something for free today. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I've got to ask you before to just head back to the others. Uh, I don't want to sort of jump in too much, but um, the lockdown sort of dynamics for you in terms of how, but what is the road road ahead? Are you, a, you know, are you a Barrington declaration man? You know, what, it, what what's the kind of thing that all the, the over 70s basically just need to sort of shut themselves in a cupboard for a hundred years? I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I, just, I, I think the problem is, is that when we started this, nobody knew, really knew what the virus is, what the virus was. I then think it got to the point with the government where deaths got to such a point where they no longer act in the interests of this country. What they do is they act in a way to protect their own skins. So they're thinking to themselves, we can't let deaths get any higher. We're going to shut everything down and then we're just going to vaccinate everyone and then we're going to open everyone up, everything up and let's hope for the best. So I, on my show, we interviewed a man called Professor Carol Sikora, who's one of the foremost oncologists in this country. He was saying that we're expecting uh, around 50,000 excess deaths as a result of lockdown from cancer alone, from cancer alone. By the government's own estimates, lockdown is going to kill more than it saves. And then you just said, well, not only is it going to kill more than it saves, but it's going to absolutely just decimate the economy. I can't see the logic behind it. And one of the things I struggle with, and I'm just going to say this and I'm going to shut up. One of the things I struggle with is that a lot of, uh, sitting in my centrist position, a lot of people on the right seem to, to, to me, struggle with the concept of numbers going up, which slightly worries me. I mean, even yeah. Melanie Phillips, not known yeah. for her left-wing sensibility, is she? she's on record as basically saying she doesn't understand where the right, some people on the right are with this at all, because mm. the numbers are speaking for themselves. At the end of the day, you can't overwhelm hospitals because then everyone suffers as people with cancer appointments have already suffered. So I'm not saying it's an easy answer, but then, you know, obviously the more hospital beds that are, are taken, then everyone else is getting squeezed out as well. So you're making a very good point, Julian, but then we come to the point of where was the prep? They knew this was going to happen. They knew this was a seasonal illness. They knew there was, was a flu. We opened Nightingales in the first lockdown. Why didn't they open a Nightingale now? Nobody's like very few people are saying this isn't important or this isn't vital. I just don't understand the government strategy, if I'm being honest. Guys, I think I think Gronia, I'd like to know what Gronia, Gronia's take is on this. Um, I just think this is everybody's first global pandemic, and I don't think people know what they're doing. Uh, I think it's very complicated, and I think the UK response has just been riddled by an over-reliance on the private sector that's been really bad, really catastrophic. And unfortunately, we don't have the brightest, cleverest people in government. And uh, they're trained to think of short term, what's going to be the headline, what's going to be the headline. And I think that's why the UK's response has been so crap. 
But I think this, I mean, I, think, I just think nobody, and, and with all respect to Francis, I think anybody who claims to know exactly what to do next should not be trusted because I don't think anybody, because <laughs> yes. we don't know, we don't know. And, you know, you're saying all this stuff and in my head, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, I don't care. I don't care. This is so terrifying. I just want to wear a mask. I want to stay inside. I want all the older people to be inoculated. And then for me personally, I think like it's even going to be worse when things start reopening again, because then it's like we have to deal with the aftermath. I think as terrifying as it is now, and it is horrible, mm. like bloody hell, whatever's left of democracy, like think, think what chaos the 2008 uh, crash had and how we were just beginning to steady ourselves after that, like 19 years later. I mean, I'm almost like the drama queen in me is almost fascinated by what the fuck is going to happen to us off the back of shutting down the global economy for at least a year. Like, it's truly terrifying. So, yeah, that's my hot take. Well, going back to the tweet. Thanks for that, Gronia. And going back to the tweet, um, the teens coming through the virtual doors, basically, it's, it's, it's you know about the mental health of young people, which has been effective. And actually, I, I'd say anyone who says they haven't struggled with their mental health in the last year is lying or they're not or in denial and it's really important for this for us more than ever and whoever's listening in is to be constantly you know trying to talk to people about how you're feeling because chances are they're, they're feeling the same but one of the things i did read about teenagers recently um and i think that might be partly why we are struggling with our mental health is that um teenagers need apparently they've got they've done uh, some 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 sort of study where teenagers need four hugs a day so four human contacts, which actually sounds really sweet, but it got me thinking. I think that's the thing that you know I'm quite a tactile person, so I need someone you know to sort of like, are you there? Or someone if you're if you're feeling bad, someone touches your hand, and so we're so used to having that contact with people all the time, hugs, um, just being close proximity on the train, even even though we might whinge about it. And I think that is not good for us to not have because this virtual world is not the same thing it's not cutting the same mustard had we been in backstage in a live event which hopefully let's kill with the lkt at uh, francis will go live one day mm -hmm. um we will have that contact which does i think is a very healing very important thing so i'm just gonna leave it there saying mm -hmm. that if you are if you are feeling lonely out there uh, please do reach out and at least talk to someone on the phone even though we can't be with each other right now so well, next tweet what have we got next julian something fun maybe something fun uh, should we go fun? Um, yeah, let's go fun. Okay, let's a little sorbet. Well, who's uh, right? Hang on, Gwenya, there's a tweet you've picked out. Uh, uh, well, actually, I yeah, you can take. Totally, oh, you uh, picked out. We picked out. You picked out. I picked out. <laughs> okay, so there's two parts to this tweet. Yeah. First of all, my dad's name is Doni. So, oh. and I didn't realise that was an Irish name because it's it's you know I just want. Sort of, Donnie's a normal name, and then when I moved here, everybody was like, oh, what's this name? So my family WhatsApp went crazy the night of, you know, when the capital was stormed and there Calamity was no at the capital. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, my family went mental, not over that, not the fall over of democracy possibly in America, but that an Irish reporter was stealing the scene in CNN. Doni O'Sullivan, and we were so excited that there was a famous Doni. And uh, basically, um, Irish people, Americans love Irish people, and Irish people love Americans. I know you English people, you think you have a special relationship 
they love us so um this was another example of you know we're about to have joe biden irish american president we just you know we had the obamas obviously irish and now we have donio sullivan breaking the news uh, on cnn and irish twitter went mad so it was See, a bit what, how do you pronounce this lady's name this man and i have to have him <laughs> i love this man and i have to have him uh, just just in case those those of you didn't hear that at the back she has to have him what does he do what's he do on cnn what's his role so he was outside with oh, the protesters interviewing them right. and look at the big have you ever seen anybody more irish looking in your own life look at the big head of him <laughs> and he basically was just representing and all of ireland our collective backs stiffened with pride at Donny o'sullivan uh, doing us all pride so it really cheered me up that's good and now it's american so it kind of does segue quite nicely into back to the serious stuff um i've picked uh, i'm not sure i think we've got a couple of well i picked two tweets that could probably just go very quickly it's glenn greenwald um replying to ron paul um who is a republican congressman former republican congressman i should say from texas uh ron paul's complaining that without with no explanation other than repeatedly going against our community standards facebook has blocked me from managing my page never have we received notice to violating community standards in the past and nowhere is the offending post identified. Glenn Greenwald uh, is saying, just pass the law that the internet is for liberals only. Now, uh, Glenn Greenwald is known to many people for his work on um, Edward Snowden's um, whistleblowing, um, and I don't think, particularly, you know, certainly not regarded as someone of, of the right, but he's very, very concerned about the ramifications of the Twitter ban on Donald Trump. Um, and that kind of was sort of kicked that kicked off pretty close to calamity at the capital because it wasn't it was only a couple of days afterwards that twitter banned him but there were a good few tweets in the last week one of which is also uh david badil saying whilst i support trump's ban people need to stop it with the twitter is a private company argument we never have we never in history have had private companies monopolizing the public discourse on the scale of big tech and that's exactly why they need public regulation and that's over to you. Although one thing I would just say to sign off, it is interesting how during Brexit, uh, you know, I did vote Remain, but I will say that during Brexit and the votes, there were an awful lot of people who wouldn't normally say the Constitution is is uh, precious and all the way we must follow the Constitution. So mm. all these sort of born again constitutionalist lefties, and now now it seems like the Twitter thing has sort of awoken the. Uh, the sort of private company, the private uh, company loving lefties as well. There's an interesting political dynamic going on here. Uh, I think it's interesting. I think I've, I, my instinct is that I know Twitter and social media does kind of create the weather that news is reported in, but I mean, it's, it, I think when you're in the media, you maybe, it gives you a false impression of how many people are actually on Twitter. And again, it is just a private company. And I just feel, I, I find it fascinating that, 
you know, the right, which historically is all about capitalism and, you know, pro-business and getting the government out, suddenly is really angry when a Twitter, you know, private company decides for themselves the sort of people they want on their platform. I just find that interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think it's good to highlight the various uh, sort of machinations on this, but um, I don't know, Francis, this is probably very much your territory, really, big tech. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say it's my territory, to be honest with you. Um, what I would say is, is um, Glenn Greenwald, who's talking about this, is a very well-known left-wing journalist, a very left-wing libertarian, I'd say, who um, was one of the people who uh, has an uh, internet uh, website called The Intercept, which is very, very good, uh, I would say, progressive left-wing journalism. Um, he's now left The Intercept. So that's a little bit of background about who Glenn Greenwald is. I'm actually quite a big fan. I think he does very, very, very good work. The problem is, is that um, when you have four or five companies in charge of disseminating public information, that is a very, very, very dangerous place to be in. Uh, I think, I can't remember the name, it's just escaped me, he's, I think he's an Israeli philosopher who tweeted this quote when Trump was silenced, which was, uh, when you can silence the king, you are the king. Um, and what you effectively have now is these companies who can effectively silence someone and that is it. And there's no recourse. There's no way of, of, of protesting. They decide. So a good example of this, and can I just say, I'm not on the right, despite what probably everyone thinks here. Primary school teacher, 12 years, we can go through the whole list. I realise I've been disowned by the left, but that's cool. But the problem comes when somebody can just shut down an account or they can suppress stories. For instance, during the American presidential election, there was a, a number of allegations about Joe Biden's son and corruption allegations, all the rest of it. Now, this, this is absolutely true. Twitter suppressed that story. The New York Post, America's oldest newspaper, ran a story about it, and Twitter suppressed it. They suppressed the account, they suppressed the story. And that happened during an election year. And actually, when they asked 10% of Americans if that would sway, uh, sorry, if they, they asked uh, in a poll uh, Americans if that would actually persuade them to not vote for uh, Joe Biden, 10% said yes. So this is very, 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 very dangerous stuff. I'm not pretending I know the answers to this. Francis, but well, the problem, can I just finish my oh, point? Yeah, sorry, sorry. yeah, but the problem is when you have these companies which have this huge amount of power, whether it's, for instance, YouTube. So for instance, YouTube uh, took down, well, deleted Talk Radio's uh, account. When Talk Radio, uh, are a company regulated by Ofcom. And the reason they did it is because they they had on experts and they platformed people who criticized lockdown. That contravened YouTube's rules, bang, gone. These people are dictating what is and what isn't acceptable to talk about. I just find it a very worrying state of affairs. That's all, go for it, Gronje. Well, no, I just, um, so Twitter obviously is a very big platform, but people are getting, so much more of their news now from independent smaller news YouTube channels, you know, that are increasingly far right, that get so many more views than mainstream news. I mean, in America, Republicans are much more likely to get their news from independent uh, vloggers than they are from, you know, mainstream news channels. So I do think it's just, I mean, obviously, the internet is fucked and destroying us all yes. but i do think there are lots of other 
platforms available online. I think Twitter is quite like, I think because we're all in this, this is our bubble, but I just think mm. there's so many other very toxic platforms for the very sort of people who say that there being no platform on Twitter. They have this huge megaphone in other areas. And I just find it funny that you have, you know, these senators giving, like speaking in Congress, senators, these Congress people talking in Congress mm -hmm. with wearing face masks saying censored. <laughs> and they're on the news. So I just think the whole idea of being censored and, uh, you know, no platforms and all that stuff. I, you know, I, I think it's, it's become like a, yeah, like a, a badge of honor and it doesn't have any meaning, I think, anymore, because there's just so many platforms nowadays. That's an interesting take that there doesn't have any meaning anymore being censored when we, um, as obviously comedians, are in the business of having to at least have answered that question once a year to a journalist or mm -hmm. someone asking us what we think about freedom of expression, freedom of speech. Now, I, 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 obviously, we missed that week when it was the busy week, Julian, but um, <laughs> Twitter's shares went down um, with them banning Trump, mm. which was hilarious because it was it, it made you think, well, what is that? Why they didn't ban him before? You know, and I was questioning that, like why why the you know the shares would have come down at that point. So that was quite frightening and also um, quite I found it quite hilarious at the same time. It's just really <laughs> do all these Trumpies that are keeping twi you know Twitter shares alive. I, oh, I was a bit worried that I might have to change the name to Let's Kill, insert platform here. <laughs> Let's Kill Parlor. Uh. That's it. Yeah. Well, that's already dead at the moment, yeah. although I notice, I mean, you know, there's this legal action going on there. It's mm. interesting what Gonya says about the, the sort of congressmen who are complaining about being censored. And I think there is there is a, some unease about um, the fact that old media is is sort of still in its death throes and new media is in well is in an in ascendancy to some extent so i think when people say things like that it, it's basically them saying i can't get access i can't get access to that particular base um there's a lot of there is a lot of sort of hypocrisy on both sides there um i and it's it's still sort it's still sorting itself out there's no doubt about it in terms of what the upshot is. I mean, there was quite an interesting... So the BBC's Amal Rajan was on the media show on the... I think quite often hosts the media show on Radio 4. And he actually had Parler's lawyer there on a panel with uh, one of the, uh, someone who'd done sort of work for uh, the Democrats, I think. So it was quite an interesting conversation. There is a lot of shared um, anxieties about new media um, of both left and right, but there are clearly some people, you know, taking the pee on both sides as well, I think. Oh, of course. And this is a problem. And this is a problem which is created by social media that it amplifies the binary because a tweet that is actually very nuanced is highly unlikely to go viral. But something that says I'm being silenced or everybody yeah. on the right is a, you know, is a hateful Nazi is more likely to get retweets. Um, yeah. So number one and number two, the, the problem is, is like, so with Gwen, you're saying like, you know, there's lots of different platforms. There was a platform for people on the right to use and then it got nuked. So it was just like, well, 
know, and then they took it down. And their their reasoning was, well, you know, it was, you know, it was filled with hate and racism. I think that's every social media platform, let's be honest. I don't think anybody ever goes on Twitter and goes, oh, this is going to cheer me up. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I think Carla's problem was the subtext was the text. That's where they went wrong. I, th I think, like, obviously, they're both just awful like mm. uh, platforms just basically looking to make money like twitter isn't a force for good it just is a platform that wants to make money and they kept trump on there for as long as possible because it brought so much you know traffic to the the site and they took him off the only reason they took him off was okay his worth to us now isn't worth if he possibly instigates an actual terrorist attack and that's the only reason he got taken off and possibly when things cool back down again He'll be back up. And I think Parler, bless their hearts, if your whole thing is, don't be racist on our platform. That isn't <laughs> a good business model. So if they just dialed it down just a little bit. You're being sensitive. Chatting. But it's such an interesting point where Gronny was just making. So I hope we can get you back. Listen, guys, if you are in the front seat or if you are watching the live stream, Please do send us your comments. Let us know what you think about this. Um, if uh, and at this point, while Granny gets her sound back, I'm going to advertise uh, uh, Amnesty's ma uh, mask, face mask, which says, cover your mouth, not your opinion. There you go. <laughs> Amnesty face mask, cover your mouth, not your opinion. So you can actually say what you want to say and, and, and be your own advertising thing for your own opinions and your own views. Uh, Granny, are we, are we back with you now? Have we, can, can you hear me now? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. better. That's better. Yeah. Oh, my God. What was I waffling about? What oh, was man, I... It was really great. Um, it, 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 the last thing that I really heard you say was the parlour's problem was dot, dot, dot. Oh, basically, they just... Their subtext was text. They were like, come be racist and troll people on our platform. But if you've got no goodies, like everybody needs an enemy and why Parler wasn't because it was just all the right wing people who like trolling people went to Parler. So they had nobody to troll. So they had just should, you know, been a little bit more subtle and it probably would have been fine. Okay, uh, thank you, thank you, Grania, thank you, Francis. Right, so another treaty weety. Um, I come on, we know we both got it. Are we going to save that to last? The one we've both been chitting well, about. Well, I think we should have. Do you wish we have a Sex in the City special for the last? Yeah, Sex in the City. <laughs> sex in the City. Uh, I don't know how we're going to manage it otherwise. Well, um, yeah, yeah. I think I think let's just go with both the tweets that we've both selected. Then. Well, there's about there's about there's about three or four good ones yeah, actually. Really? Um, okay, go on then. Go 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 for them. So we've got. You've then been following discussion. Jack Monroe. Yeah, so Julie, you've been following Jack Monroe's. Uh, yes, yes. Um, and that was, hang on, let me see if I can. I don't get know where we out. are with that because that seems to have moved on again. Um, okay, so uh, let me try to find. This was the original, uh, this was uh, about five days ago where she's indicating, you know, all those pictures of the, the rubbish. Yeah. Yeah, not since my student um, toast toppers in my student freshers pack have I seen a worse offering. But um, yeah, it's um, so that was the first one. That's that's I'm not sure where we are now. So, yeah. So the latest one was um, as far as I can see that it became successful um, and everyone was congratulating uh, her saying, you know, well done, because uh, the, the, everyone said oh, you've all seen the photos, right? The photos they were sending of their meagre uh, food parcels um to to kids uh and and it was it was it was just disgusting it was it was, it was awful um and i remember 
having free school dinners when I was a kid um, and when I was in the country and there was a little bit of shame around that. You had to get a, a school dinner disc. So what I would do is I'd deliberately be late, a bit late for school and get the dinner disc but then sell it to the kids who had more money and for, for the money and they get the money and get fish and chips from the shops at lunchtime, which is what I really want to do because I'm a rebel, yeah. Um, but we weren't eating meat at school, couldn't eat halal meat, couldn't eat meat. So they would put peanuts and cheese and other things that sort of made up the protein in those days. Um, but that was, although that was embarrassing, it was still nutritious food that we were getting. And then to think that this is a replacement, these photos, I don't think, I don't know if you've got any of the photos, but I'm sure we've all seen them this past week, a couple, a couple of weeks. Um, and so th th the reason why I brought this up particularly was because it was um, kind of Twitter activism. So we've talked about Twitter, you know, the previous mm -hmm. uh, tweet conversation uh, of being used for evil and bad, but doesn't Twitter or social media platforms also work quite effectively in getting things done? Obviously, we, we know, um, you know, Marcus Rashford, uh, you know, managed to do the whole uh, school meal things. This, this, this has obviously come up where now the government are deciding, I mean, don't know how we felt, uh, the panel, how we felt about the vouchers versus delivering the food parcels. I mean, which, which you know, so now they've gone back to giving them vouchers so they can choose their own food. Uh, and I know that was in a radio discussion uh, about the same thing. Like, would you would you be given, you know, would you take that vouchers? And I think it's about when people don't have much, mm -hmm. what they do have is their dignity. And if you strip them of that last thing, then they have nothing left and you have literally destroyed that person. That's how I feel. So when you are in a vulnerable position, when I haven't, you know, when I was someone who didn't have much income, single parent, whatever, I was a lot more sensitive to someone saying, oh, why can't you come out? Is it because you can't afford it? Mm -hmm. To now, where it wouldn't affect me because now I'd be thinking, well, you know, it, 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 I'm, I'm confident, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm secure, so I don't have those same issues. So doing, when we're having these discussions, even these discussions, I'm quite wary that the people at the other end of them, that how are we making them feel? That, you know, they're the ones that, and they're not going to speak out. So it does, does activism on, you know, on social media, is it effective? And should we be doing more of that than maybe some of the negative stuff with the trolling and, and you know, the, the Trump sort of debates that we're having? That's what I'd like to ask. Um, can I talk, ask Francis first? What do you feel about using social media for, for, for you know, a better cause, as it were? Uh, so I think we live in quite rarefied times in that everybody is on social media, nobody's in the outside world. So in this instance, I think, yes, social, you know, activism does actually work on social media because everybody's on it 24-7 because we can't go out. Um, I actually think that most of the time activism on social media is a glorified cop-out. I think that if you want to do something, you would do it in the real world. I always say this to people who uh, were going to me, well, you know, what, what, what name one thing I can do to make a difference? And I'm like, well, you can go to your local primary school. If you've got 15 minutes in the day, most primary schools are underfunded. There's 30 kids in the class, teachers trying to teach them. You've got ability levels ranging from a kid who can barely write their own name to someone who's very, very talented and whatever else and, might, and could go to university, Oxford, Cambridge, all the rest of it. There are kids there who are being left by the wayside. Take 15 minutes, go into a primary school, sit down, read with a kid. That will achieve far more than any tweets or retweets that you will do, guaranteed. Because what you are doing is helping kids who are being left behind because the system is being underfunded 
and you are helping them with the most precious thing in the world, literacy. And if you read with a kid for 15 minutes every week, I guarantee you will make a positive impact on their life. Because not only are you reading with them, but you're giving them attention. And that's probably something they're lacking at, with at home. However, considering that there's, the real world doesn't exist anymore, we're now all on Twitter, yeah, it probably is. Sonia? Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think... I don't think Twitter, I think Twitter is a neutral, it's like a tool. And whenever we have a new invention, it can be used for good and it can be used for bad. But it, there's no uh, substitute for actually make like doing something. So whether it's like donating money, if you can during lockdown or going out there and actually contributing or whatever it is, the hard stuff, the actual real stuff like volunteering is much more worthwhile than retweeting something unfortunately it is easier to retweet though and, more yeah. <laughs> right. and at least and if you that's all you can do um especially when in in these difficult times then surely that's better than not doing anything at all um but i will say that the one of the things that i think came up during lockdown was how um there has been more of a sort of social media community um even within like our own industry you know someone's gone through a hard time um, you know, had an operation, whatever, and and the and the, you know, comedy community specifically, but others got on board and they will support and look after. So I found that quite kind of reassuring. I don't know about you, because of the, the, that there's something. It's not all bad. It's it, there is good stuff when we can't see each other physically. That we are there supporting each other online. Um, right. So uh, what else have we got? Twitter, Twitter. Well, I, think, I think we need to. Uh, I need to get into this Sex and City sandwich, um, <laughs> or uh, or cake. Uh, so basically, the story is, uh, I'm sure many of you know, but the story is that there will be a reboot of Sex and the City, 10 episodes, uh, and it is called, and uh, just like that, which is one of, sort of Carrie's much used phrases in the show, uh, it's going to feature uh, the original cast except for Kim Cattrall and uh, playing Samantha. So no Samantha, Sex and the City without Samantha. Mm, don't know about that. Um, so it's caused, well, it's had a you know, quite a lot of uh, feedback on Twitter, partly because there's a lot of people watching Sex and City for the first time and, and re-evaluating it. And boy, it was evaluated enough at the time. So let's come on, come on, revisionists. Let's get going. Um, but before I'm, there's a whole stream of tweets and I'll, I'll share those in a minute. But I must admit from my, so I'm a big fan. I think I've watched it twice this year, slightly by accident. <laughs> comedy was being repeated on Comedy Central. And I was, it got to about series three and I, I thought, oh, I'm going to watch this as my background um, telly. And, uh, and then I started, started from the beginning again. And I've seen it quite a few times now. Um, but I also worked as a barman when the films were out. And I tell you something, after you've made, in a cinema, after you've made that many Cosmopolitans for people coming in to see Sex in the City 2, which was pretty abysmal as a film, uh, you know, I still love it is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but um, a lot of other people love it, but there's a lot of qualification to that love. Now, let's have a look at these tweets. Um, so when the actual... And then Whilst you're looking for the tweets, just to let uh, all of our front seaters know and all those like who are tuning in, you can put your questions or your contributions to any tweets that you'd like to talk about uh, into our box there or on just wherever you're, you're, you're live, watching the live stream on our page. Um, oh, oh, yeah, here's this Kim so Patrick's agent. <laughs> Yeah, so the, there's a famous episode where Carrie gets dumped on a post-it note 
um, by a character called Berger, and his his re he just says, "I'm sorry, I can't. Don't hate me." <laughs> so Rose Domu's tweet here um, is that it's come from Kim Cattrall's agent, which is perfect. I saw people retweeting that as if it had come from Kim Cattrall. No way, because as a lot of people know, uh, Kim Cattrall and Sarah Jessica Parker are not on the best of terms, being big rift uh, between the two for some time. So I don't think she would have been that polite on a post-it note, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, so what else have we got? Um, Aisha Hazarika, who'll be with us uh, in two weeks. Uh, excited about the return of Sex and the City, but get real, surely it's now HRT in the suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got, hang on a second, actually, you're, so it's Stella Duffy. Um, yeah, Stella uh, Duffy was it. Uh, that was the one yeah. that you... Uh, uh, so uh, whilst we're looking for that, just want to ask you guys, uh, team, team Samantha or team, um, team, what's her name? Yeah. Stella Duffy, there you uh, go. You can, you, it's, like, might... no, but it's like astrology, isn't it? You, you know, how much, how much Carrie are you? How much Charlotte are you? How much Samantha are you? How much Miranda are you? Okay, so again, this, this Stella Duffy's one was, I guess it might be worth reviving if Sex and the City was actually feminist this time round, or less absurdly white, or both, which I thought. Yeah, uh, well, I, I, space is pretty much summing up my, uh, so we'll get, we'll definitely get, we need to get to that, because this is... Oh, this is uh, Erica, hang on, we've got someone who wants to talk about something. Hello, uh, Erica, did you want to speak, did you want to speak, or speak now for a bit of an older piece? What did would you, you like to say? Team Samantha. Samantha. Okay. No. Okay, sorry, okay, I thought you should put your hand up. So, um... So, I mean, that does open up because I mean, that's sort of revisionism for you. I mean, I watched it I've watched it twice again this year and not felt too guilty about it. I mean, for goodness sake, I'm watching Entourage now. I feel like I'm in some kind <laughs> of dangerous cult. <laughs> um, and then also, um, now this, Gronny, you picked up on this tweet <laughs> um, from Hadley Freeman at The Guardian. And I was interested because I saw your response to this and I, I wanted to pick up on this in terms of what you're, what you, how you sort of, dealt with this but she said I, I like Hadley actually but I find it fascinating that Sex in the City a show about a bunch of white women making jokes and shagging is considered <laughs> embarrassingly retro and borderline offensive but the Sopranos a bunch of white men killing each other um, and some shagging but not much is considered <laughs> an untouchable classic what's start with you Gronje because you had a bit of a take on that so I'm really worried my sound is going to cut out because I have so many thoughts on this. So I'm going <laughs> to my sound cuts out, honestly, just flag me up. And I apologize to Francis, Sadila and Julian. Just mm. mute me. Just mute me. So, so what I find so fascinating about this tweet, and I don't mean to be negative, but another woman online, but I just thought, I just couldn't believe what a stupid hot take that was but how many interesting points she raised at the same time? <laughs> because I think Sex and the City, when people say, oh, it's not feminism and oh, it's really white. And they make all these points that obviously, yes, but this was made 20 years ago. So at the time, like you have to think, think it's like when people are slagging off friends now, it's like, yes, yeah. but at the time, we weren't there yet as a society. You wouldn't make the same program like that now, obviously. But at the time, Sex in the City was, it was really exciting. There'd be no show like that, where it's like celebrating women, where it wasn't just like one woman and, you know, the men in her life. It was revolutionary to have women together talking to each other. Yes, they were talking about men. Yes, obviously. And obviously, 
there's loads of things you would change now but at the time it was fabulous it's really well written um you would you make it the same way now no obviously not um what else there's so many thoughts going around in my head um now what hadley says which is very interesting is that do we as a society value the tv series sex in the city the same way as we do as the sopranos well that's interesting because it's like obviously we as a society don't value female voice stuff and we don't value comedy as well as we value you know traditionally male drama no Hadley, that's a very interesting point. Now, why are you slagging off The Sopranos for no reason? <laughs> Call The Sopranos a show that glorifies like toxic masculinity is so stupid. It's like you have not watched one, you could just watch half, half an episode of The Sopranos and you'd be like, we are not supposed to like these people. These are obviously, this is not what the, it's like, you know, people who slag off Mad Men by saying, oh, it's just glamorizing you know, sexism, when the whole point of Mad Men is everybody in this show is miserable. So, to conclude. That, no, this is good. I love a TV, man. <laughs> I've got to say. And also, I don't know anyone that do slags off. I've never talked to anyone who slags oh, off. My boyfriend, right? One of the first rows we had, he's in the other room, and I'm still annoyed with him about it. He was like, oh, I hate Mad Men. It's just all misogyny, and you're supposed to be like, oh, the men are so cool. When the whole point of Mad Men is that, like, Don Draper hates himself. Anyway, so Sex and the City, I think it will probably be really bad, the reboot. <laughs> will I watch every single episode at least twice? Yes. Yes, I will. <laughs> it's not going to be as bad as the films, is it? Let's face it. <laughs> well, well that's, 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 that's really um, a nice kind of... Um, uh, you know, a, a kind of a, uh, a stream of consciousness about your your opinions on on sex in the city, and we kind of know where you stand on that. Uh, and I and I kind of agree with some of it, disagree with some of others bits. But what about you, Francis? What, what what's what's your what's your? Let's see where you uh, stand. On I, this. Yeah, I'm going to incriminate myself here by telling you that I've never watched The Soprano, and I've watched every episode of Sex in the City. Oh, so bless you. <laughs> <laughs> mm. that in the oh, sweetie. No one. <laughs> Who would have predicted that? I love the original series of Sex in the City. I thought it was groundbreaking. I thought the characters were brilliant. I thought it was superbly written. It was really funny. The character of Samantha was revolutionary, a woman in touch with her sexuality and making no bones about it and not apologising for it in the slightest. I thought it was brilliant. I also feel it was 20 fucking years ago. We need to get some new ideas and we need to move on. There's loads yeah. of stories that need to be told now from a whole variety of perspectives. Why are we visiting something from 1996? <laughs> Do, do you know what it's like, right? It's like having a mate when you're young and you had a fucking great time with them and you're like, oh, really nice. And then you meet them 10 years later and you go, you're a dick. <laughs> I think I think that's that's pretty much sums it up. Yeah, yeah. So are, you, are you talking about Sex in the City now? Yeah, what, what, Sex in the City. Those well, are the problems. 
She's not seen The Sopranos. So. I haven't seen The Sopranos. They're all a bunch of Samanthas in The Sopranos. That's what you need to know. Well, I'm not interested, Brian, because I'm not interested in toxic masculinity, love. Well, well, actually, I think I won't be watching because Samantha was my favourite character and I've never liked Jessica Parker. I've never liked her character. I don't like... She just... I just... I think she pissed me off. She would be... Just, just irritate me. Went for a drink in a bar. I just... I'd, I'd, I'd have too many drinks and just want to punch her. I don't like her. I don't like her. She's always pissed me off in Sex and the City. She pisses me off in real life. And I just can't stand her. I just can't stand her. I can't. And I, and I, and that's the and my enjoyment was spoiled of Sex and the City. And I know she was a big part of it, right? But I just didn't. So the bits that Samantha came on, and, and you're right, I agree with Granny. I agree with uh, Frances on this. It was groundbreaking. It was wonderful that, you know, she owned her sexuality. And it was that. And so when people say that it's not, you know, feminism, not sexism in the city, well, I thought she was great. She was a great kind of at that time, uh, of course, you know, we are talking about that time. Um, and of course, the biggest fan here right now is Julian, because we talk about this. You see, we're both friends lovers and yeah, uh, well. we've had sex in the city conversation. So I think we should end with Julian's thoughts on this, because yeah. I know how much you love that show. It's very, gen very generous of you. I don't think I'm going to compete with with Gronya's, uh, you know, well, basically Francis's revelation and, and Gronya's speech there. <laughs> Um, I do. I was thinking a bit about this, and there's a lot to unpack in those tweets. But um, I, um, I do think that so for the generation who are watching it now, and there are people who've, who've tweeted recently, journalists who've been saying, oh, "I'm watching Sex and City for the first time," um, just to see how triggered they get. I suppose. I mean, there's going to be a few sort of uh, difficult moments for them, like for example, the episode that where Donald Trump uh, is in the background of one of them, maintaining his incredible record of appearing in sitcoms and American TV shows. It's ridiculous. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, um, obviously his own show, The Apprentice, but um, there were a lot of other shows that he had cameos in. Home Alone is one as a film. I wasn't in Home Alone as well. Th didn't watch Home Alone, but he's in that. But the other the other one, there's a great, uh, there's um, an episode towards the end last season when Samantha's with, um, what's the lovely model, actor? Smith Jared, Smith Jared. Um, and um, they're at a party together. I don't think it's, I'm not sure if it's the Richard Wright party or whatever, but, and uh, they, Samantha has to go and she says to Smith Jared, oh, you should stay. Harvey Weinstein's at the party. So oh. not, every, <laughs> not everything will have aged well. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> to see that line actually disappear. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you mentioned the cancel culture thing as well, um, because obviously what the, the other tweet that uh, followed on from this, and it's, it's what Granny's touched on it already, was the one for Greece. Um, uh, it's by Greece. Neil F. F. Neil something, whatever his name is. Uh, Neil, Neil underscore F. Is um, this one of yours? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if oh you picked God. it up. Uh, but basically, just to read it out, it says, how ridiculous have the woke snowflake brigade become? They are now, now demanding that the film Grease is never shown on TV because it condones rape, homophobia, slut shaming, racism and bullying. For fuck's sake, grow up. It's a 40 year old film. Now, the thing is, <clears throat> kind of touching on what Gronia said, the film set in a certain time when, you know, same argument with a Sex in the City where it, that was the norm. That was the norm. I mean, I've grown up, uh, you know, as a teenager when boys didn't use Rehepnol, they used alcohol to get girls drunk to be friendly. I can't rewrite that history. That is what mm. happened. This is what's, what's happening in, in Greece. And Greece happens to be one of my favourite, favourite childhood films. 
where I just remember, you know, watching it about five or six times, just loving it. And so those memories associated with it, I don't really want anyone to just destroy that joy for me. So it's like saying, um, you know, stagging off The Wizard of Oz when that was like every Christmas, that was a highlight. However, um, Sound of Music, you can slag that off because I'm sorry, she was a bitch, right? I'm, I'm all about Team Baroness. No, Baroness, right? The Baroness, I'm on Never her side. It. She's happier I'm, I'm, without I'm, those kids. That was a, an can fuck off. story <laughs> of a woman and her gay friend, you know, having adventures in the mountains. She's the true hero in that film. Who is the, the Baroness? The Baroness, exactly. I'm yeah, Team Baroness. Yeah. She's a fierce kick-ass why, why would she want to bring up his six spoiled brat kids, right? I'd be with her side. It's like, no, they, 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 why? I'm not your housemaid. Like, so she was asserting authority, and that's fine. But the nun, she just, you know, Julie Andrews, she's a bitch. And no one, no one addresses took a this. Bullet for her. <laughs> Marina took a bullet for that woman. That was yeah, she did. <laughs> yeah. I've got no idea what either of you are banging on about. So <laughs> you can forget lockdown and big tech. This, this is where it's at. Basically, the bottom line is that it's about looking back at things that we saw when we were growing up, growing right. up, or um, like Sex in the City, like Greece, you know, like um, Sound of Music, whatever, and then coming at, at it from the 21st century, uh, you know, new culture where well, everything is woke. And I don't know, it's about cancel culture as well, because I think that, you know, where do we stand on that? Do, do we view stuff? With the, you know, this is what was happening back then. We can't. It's like rewriting, you know, what happened in Nazi Germany, or just because you know it's going to be triggering. This is what happened. This is historical. So, what? Where do we stand on that? About perhaps I am talking a little bit about cancel culture here, um, mm. and and just the enjoyment of things that we loved growing up, which now become sort of politically incorrect and wrong. Let me tell you the most offensive thing about Greece, as far as I'm concerned, is that it had people my age playing teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the most offensive thing about that film. That, that was that's a weird trait, isn't it? That kind of goes through everything. Like you know, in Buffy, they were all much older, particularly um, Olivia John, who played um, Zander's girlfriend. I, um... But Julian, you can't have a teenager with crow's feet, mate. It doesn't make sense. <laughs>
he's he's like performing the character of Don Draper, which is a performance that makes him incapable of intimacy or friendship or happiness of any way. And then all the other men around him are like trying to live up to this Don Draper character that doesn't exist. So I find I think stuff. Yeah, I'm just ranting about. No, no, it's good. <laughs> I mean, no, I think that's really relevant. Really, but... Yeah, I think it's really relevant because also it's it's about if you're now, are we in a position where if we start when well when we get back up to, out there to start making proper films, um or or content, do we now make it from the perspective of where we are woke and and politically correct and go back in his, history and do that? Because I've been watching a Spanish drama recently, the Vel uh, Velvet. I love it. I love all the Spanish stuff. How to start going to the foreign stuff. And in that, it's kind of the Mad Men kind of era, you know, 50s, 60s. And uh, obviously, but they, what they've done is they've empowered the women, which is great. Mm -hmm. But historically, they would have, you know, sort of struggled to get their own way. And, and, and do we do we rewrite history is what I'm trying to ask is that do we sort of make it like, yes, you know, these women were kind of gung ho. We got all these things and, you know, men weren't sexist. They were such gentlemen. Are we going to lie effectively? Because that is what I see is like not and not report back what really was happening. Because surely you show the truth that that's that empowers the generation today to know that that's what it was like. We don't want to go back to that. Well, because there was this uh, Netflix series, Hollywood um oh God, ryan murphy made it, I watched it's it like, yeah. so it's like this fake history of what would hollywood be like if you know they're able to over you know overcome racism and sexism and homophobia but in a way that's that's offensive to the people who actually lived through that period because it was kind of like well if you'd just been if you just tried a little bit harder institutionalized sexism and homophobia and racism wouldn't exist anymore. So the people that lived through this period of that real toxic masculinity that we're still, you know, grappling with, if we kind of pretend it was all like kick ass women being cool, I mean, that's offensive to them and it's offensive to audiences. It's not true. It's much, I find it much more interesting to be like, like with Mad Men for an example, or like The Sopranos, where it's like, what is it like to be these people trapped in this structure? And what effect does that have on you and your opportunities and your personalities? That's what's so fascinating. So it's not like you're not celebrating it, but you're getting an insight into it, which is... Yeah. Wonderful. I think it's a great point that Gwanya made because um, one of the... I never watched Hollywood, but... Um, I'm very much interested in, in the, the story of Rock Hudson, or for those who don't know, Rock Hudson was a matinee idol. He was very much, I would say, the George Clooney of his time. Uh, he was a gay man, closeted, and he was actually the first celebrity to die of AIDS, I think it was in 84. Mm. And they put, sort of portrayed his character as being quite out and quite flamboyant. And there was a lot of people who still knew him at that time connected, go, this is deeply offensive. This is a man who suffered, who could never be himself who knew that the moment that he was open about his sexuality, his life and his career were absolutely done, finished over. And as a result, he died in the closet. And and then you've got people going along going, oh, yeah, but let's all be open and, you know, liberal. He's like, yeah, I don't think it would have ended well for him. Do you know what I mean? So I, I just yeah. want to I think what people want, the vast majority of people, whether it's comedy, whether it's drama, whatever it is, is the truth of the situation. If you try and represent something as honestly as possible, 
then people will respect that because what you're trying to do is hold a mirror up to society, which is, I think, what we want from our art, isn't it? Yes. Yes. What a great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, and I, in, 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 also talk bringing race into it. Merle Oberon, didn't she pass off as white? Uh, because she was scared her career was going to end. And that's the kind of stuff that was happening that I think should be reflected. And, uh, and time's running out, so I'm going to bring it up to Julian, because Julian, we've got something to tell them, haven't we? About the thing behind you? Oh, well, yeah, certainly that, yeah. But I wanted to just say, if there's anyone, well, I know there's people in the Zoom room. So you guys in the Zoom room, obviously, thanks very, very much for coming. If you've got any questions just in the last couple of minutes or any tweets that you want to share, please use the chat facility uh to um do that um i was going to try and find a fancier phrase but i couldn't uh so yeah please use the chat facility to ask any questions or share any tweets um i uh behind me is my lovely screen for buy me a coffee which is what we're using for our donation so if you just go to the buy me a coffee website and go to let's kill twitter you can donate to us you can also donate to get um back catalog basically so all of our shows that are available um, through there. We just just drop us an email through there. Make make a donation. Drop us an email, and we'll send you the links to our shows. And we've had some great shows: Constantine Kissing with Viv Groskop, um, Leo Kurz with Shazia Mertza. Um, I'm losing track of the weeks now. What was the last one we did? Um, anyway, they're all there. They're all listed. So do check that out. Obviously, please, please follow us on our Twitter account. That's the main thing uh, at LKT Zoom. And uh, next, I keep saying next week, but I mean two weeks hence on January the 31st, uh, we've got at eight o'clock, we've got uh, comedians and commentators, Aisha Hazarika and Andrew Doyle. Um, so please do book into the Zoom room for that. And oh, I think that's all the necessary boxes ticked. Yeah, Gronia and Francis, can you just put your Twitter and your other handles into the chat box so that people can follow us? Please do follow our guests today and from the past. Um, and, and Francis, have you got something to plug? If you have, please also put in the chat box. Can you just tell us about uh, trigonometry when it's on? Uh, trigonometry, just follow it at Trigger Pod. It's on. It's on all the uh, different platforms. Get people from across the spectrum, uh, left, right, centre. Um, you know, we've got someone on, and we've got one of the co-founders of Extinction Rebellion. We've had everyone from uh, George Galloway right the way through to Douglas Murray. So whatever, whatever you're interested in, uh, come and you, you'll find something to chat about, uh, just to find out about. That's what we do. And Gronia, what are you doing during lockdown? Are you still doing your classes? What have you, what have you got to promote here? Mainly, I'm watching a lot of Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, you can give us your suggestions. You can tell us where we can find your website, perhaps, or uh, uh, because obviously, if, if you uh, people out there who are listening, if you uh, want, I, it comes highly recommended. Uh, Gronia does teach comedy. Um, and there are Zoom gigs to be had. So if you if you want to uh, find out more, please get in touch with Gronnie Maguire. She's put her uh, Twitter up there. It's at Gronnie Maguire uh, on Twitter. And you have a website as well. Is that is that right? Gronnie? I do. Yeah. yeah, please do. Please do follow our, our guests um, on Twitter and anywhere else uh, that they're, they're performing on Zoom. Thank you all, all for coming as well, by the way, guys. And can we just remind them if it's buy me a coffee? Yeah, just, just buy me. I mean, I'll move out of the way again. Buy me, buy me a coffee.com. Uh, Let's.
buymeacoffee.com uh, <laughs> forward slash let's kill Twitter. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I'll have a I'll have a, a, a flat white, please, uh, with the <laughs> soya milk, if that's all right. Um, and that's that costs 45 pounds. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, thanks it for that. Coffee, guys. <laughs> that's yeah, great. And, that was really good fun, guys. Yeah. Thank you so thank, much. Thank you for joining us, uh, Gronia and Francis. Big round of applause for you guys. Thank you so much. Can't do this without you guys. And you guys for joining us. Take care. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. Take care. Bye have night. a good evening. Bye bye. bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. I have to say, to be able to talk about television for as long as we did was a real treat. Check out the other podcasts in the series and also go to our website www.letskilltwitter.com and if you look under previous shows you'll find everything linked to YouTube and also audio files etc. If you'd like to support our work that would be great. You can do so by going to the buymeacoffee.com website and finding the Let's Kill Twitter page or anything you can do really by way of a follow, a retweet or recommendation. It's all appreciated. We look forward to being in your ears again soon.